Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Hear your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And if you hear any crazy sounds in the background there, uh, this is Fred at his off-grid homestead, listening to the snow slowly melt here in Maine as we thaw out in eager anticipation of spring. Um, you know, here we are for all our spring holidays, Passover in the Jewish tradition, Easter in the Christian tradition. Uh, for pagans like me, I guess we just celebrate that the sun is getting uh, out there, spring equinox and whatnot. Um, this is the time where we start to realize that the days are getting longer, uh, new life is coming. And um, alongside that, we are sort of celebrating spring with audio drama. Um, so what we've got for you for the next month or so, the month of April, will be uh, fresh new audio drama by new producers. Uh, we We've sort of uh, gone deeper to the classics uh, with Oedipus the last few weeks. Uh, now we're doing uh, much more contemporary shows. This is These are new stories, uh, 21st century stories. Uh, what we have for you first is by our friends at the Audio Comics Company. Now this is uh, my good friend uh, Bill Dufries, based here locally in Maine, as well as Lance Axed out on the West Coast, have teamed up along with Elaine Lee uh, to make this new company. They are taking uh, graphic novels, turning them into fantastic radio plays like what you're uh, re- re- revisiting today, Titanium Rain. Titanium Rain is this adrenaline-packed top gun of the millennial age from the gritty graphic novel by Josh Finney and Kat Rocha. Fantastic adaptation here. Uh, we are going to play this again. We did feature this uh, six months, eight months ago. Uh, what has happened in the meantime is this show has a finalist for two audio awards that are kind of like the Oscars of audiobooks that's uh, in the running for that. Uh, it's also just gotten a golden earphones from Audiophile Magazine, as well as an accolade as one of the top audio dramas of the year. Uh, I think you're about to hear why. This is the world of Titanium Rain. Uh, we also have a double feature. Later in the show, we'll have Honey West, Murder of Mars, uh, the first half of that as well. Uh, right, right, first up, though, uh, we got to remind you that we are having this War of the World 75th anniversary contest. Speaking of new audio works, uh, we are taking the time to honor what has come before with War of the Worlds, encouraging you to make some new drama with some fantastic prizes to boot. Here's our short little promo for that, produced by our friend Rich Fish. On October 30th, 1938, Orson Welles gave us the best Halloween present ever. The original radio broadcast of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. In 2013, Convergence, Oral Stage Studios, Radio Drama Revival, and Isotope Incorporated have teamed up to announce an audio theater contest in celebration of the 75th anniversary of the scariest radio program ever. We're looking for original audio dramas that capture the spirit and essence of War of the Worlds. Submissions must be no more than 15 minutes in length and include arrival by meteorite, tripod locomotion, massive destruction, and a natural biological solution. Three winners will receive prizes generously donated by Isotope Incorporated. Third place wins a copy of Ozone 5 Standard. Second place, a copy of Iris Plus 2. And first prize is a full copy of RX2 Standard. Submissions are due on May Day, of course. Winning entries will be announced and played at Convergence Con in July. Full contest rules and submission requirements are available at www.waroftheworlds75.com. That's waroftheworlds75.com. All right, Rich told you, waroftheworlds75.com. Waroftheworlds75.com. You've got about a month. You've got plenty of time to pull a cast together, record something crazy, send it in to us. We'd love to hear as many submissions as possible. Uh, what we can, we will feature here on Radio Drama Revival, as well as at Convergence Con in July. And, of course, the very best gets those fantastic prizes. Up your game with some plugins from Isotope. We'd love to have you. Join us, waroftheworlds75.com. All right, uh, without further ado, we're on to Titanium Rain by Audio Comics Company, coming up right here. Deep within China's heavily urbanized Sichuan Basin, roughly 90 miles southwest of the Chongqing Front, U.S. engage in heavy fighting against well-armed jade revolutionaries. Big ass metal motherfuckers! I see him, Jimmy, I see him! Uh, 
Talk to me, buddy. We're caught in a shitstorm down here and visibility's nil. Copy you, Cap 20. I have the situation in view from up here. I see you've holed up in... What, is that a Buddhist temple? Yeah, something like that. We're in a courtyard behind a stone wall. Copy that. Well, I spot 12 hostiles, all mobile infantry, moving in on your location from the next street over. The IFF identifies them as Chinese YO-1 motorized armor. They're approximately 50 meters north of you and look plenty pissed off. Got any rockets to spare? I can paint you boys one hell of a sweet target. That's a negative, Skylar. No rockets. We spent our last BFG getting in. We're down to caps and traces. We're getting slammed down here. Concentrate fire on the lead tin man. They're fighting us, goddammit! I've got wounded! We're being overrun. I need air support and I need it now! Audio Comics Company presents Titanium Rain, adapted by Josh Finney from the graphic novel series by Josh Finney and Kat Rocha. Original music by Jonathan Sharp, directed by William Dufries. located on Hainan Island, approximately 10 miles off the coast of the contested Chinese mainland. To be alive is to be at odds with the world. There is no balance to be attained, no harmony with nature, only endless struggle. Man against nature, man against God. The instinct to survive is what has made us who we are. It has shaped us through the millennia, forcing us to climb ever higher up Darwin's evolutionary tree. We do this not only because we can, but because we must. For eons, man has dreamed of Eden, dreamed of an existence that's in perfect harmony with nature. Some call it Satori, others call it heaven. In more recent times, terms such as zero impact and sustainable growth have come to represent the fabled balance pop science buzzwords rising to take the place of religious zeal. Problem is, there's only one way to be at peace with nature, and that's to give up the fight. Hey, space case. What the hell are you looking at, man? Darwinism. 
You see a dead bird on the runway and you got a poke at it? It's a seagull. The crows were eating it. Oh, that's just lovely. Just lovely, man. Well, when you're done dicking around out here, your presence would be much appreciated in the alert hut. You are on duty, after all. Afraid I forgot? Yep. Lovely. I'd bang my grandma for a cheeseburger right now, <laughs> oh, I tell you. <laughs> right, so here I am. Now what? Uh, now, let the games begin. Oh, about time. All right, boys, here's the 411. This is straight up poker, standard rules. Exception being twos are wild. Why twos? Because that's just how I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only other things you need to remember is one, starting wager is a single shiny white one, and two, I don't want any of you getting sore when I take all of you to the bank. Captain. Anyone ever accuse you of being a complete git? The fuck's a git? Happy, <laughs> come on, girl, that ain't fair. How do you expect us to understand you with all those fancy $10 words you use? <laughs> Try and speak proper English around us yanks, will you? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, man. Bloody gits. You know, Captain, last I checked, alert duty didn't include mandatory participation in your lousy poker racket. Jeez. I'll never grasp why you're so fixated on this game. It's not like cards require any skill. Or brains. <laughs> Game's an over-glorified lottery. All luck. Uh-huh. You just keep telling yourself that, good buddy. Fact remains, I've got myself a winning strategy. Chess. Go. Those are games of strategy. But cards? It's all luck of the draw. Best hand wins. All this from a man who oracles dead seagulls. I, I don't give a shit if you are my wingman, Alec. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And right now, you are very much in the wrong, my friend. Poker's not about who's got the best hand. It's about who can win with the hand they've got. It's just like life. Just like this war. All risk and reward. <laughs> and try wrapping your head around that simple truth, buddy, and maybe someday old man Major Graves will trust you with a pair of shiny captain's bars. <laughs> All right, <laughs> prove it. Huh? You say the war's like this stupid game. Convince me. Oh, how about less not? Yeah, let's just play, man. Okay, yeah. smart guy, you want proof? You got it. All we need to do is pretend for a moment that everyone here is a player in the Sino conflict. We are, you <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> Stow it, Buffalo. What? No, I mean, like, say everyone here at the table is an army or nation. You know, the real players. Like, <laughs> let's suppose Buffalo and Happy are the NATO portion of the Allies. Yeah. Buffalo, we'll assume you're America. And Happy, for obvious reasons, you are jolly old England. <laughs> All right. Oh, screw you, Pizzo. You can be America. I'm Texas. <laughs> nothing to be proud of. Now, Peanut. Oh, man, don't pull me into this, Captain. You'll be the Union, you know. All the holdouts of old China, the government, the businesses, and what little military sided with them. Hey, why do I have to be the Buddha heads? I plan on winning this. Space case, since you talk smack about my second favorite pastime, you get to be the goddamn Jades. Oh, lucky me. <laughs> Kill those goddamn Jades! Oh shit, we got inbound foot bubbles at you too! I see them! Oh, Jesus! Ah. Maintain suppressive fire! Medic! Medic! Come on! Captain Anderson's down, man! You need to get your ass over here ASAP, man! Come here, brother! Oh, Christ. Where's he at? Shrapnel on the wall, dog! Got him in the face real bad! His vitals are intact mostly, but he's losing blood fast. Hold on, Captain. You hear me? It's never as bad as it looks. Are you sure about that? Back him up, man! Right. So who's gonna be India or Pakistan? Like I could get two shits in a row about either of them. Seen any Indian planes on our runway lately? You gotta be seated at the table if you wanted to play. Yeah, so what about the EU then? You can't just expect us to forget them too. Seriously, man. Forget the EU? I wouldn't dream of it, Peanut. You know that girl that you got back home? What's her name? Kathy, isn't it? You know how she's always busting your balls, all those letters she writes, all those calls. You know how she's always trying to make you feel bad about being here? And just think of her as the freaking EU. Not here, <laughs> but sure as hell trying to stick her nose where it don't belong. Too true, man. Oh, you just went there. Oh, that's cold, man. Real cold. Slaying all the insults you like, Captain, but Peanut has a point. 
Lot of holes in this grand hypothetical of yours. I mean, what about Japan? Or Russia, for that matter? Where are they in all this? <laughs> Forget all that crap, okay? This is what you'd call a metaphor, all right? Yeah, but I don't see it's how... Fine. You want to know where the Japs and Ivans fit into all this? Right here. Here's your goddamn Japs and Russians. Where do you think all this comes from? Heck, you can add South Africa, Brazil, and Iran to the list if it means you'll shut up. <laughs> okay, so we've got our cards. Now comes the fun part. Time to figure out what's at stake. Because, like I said, without risk, there ain't no reward. Britain, mm -hmm. you're up. What's it gonna be? Well, seeing how I'm representing king and country and all, I open with a fiver. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. <laughs> So, what about you, Alec? What are the Jades risk? Uh, I'll match Happy's five, I guess. Come on, Alec. A fiver's fine for jolly old England, but you're representing the Jades in this here scenario. <laughs> the Emperor's gambling a whole heck of a lot more than that. He's playing for all of China. Oh, yeah? Well, Texas says y'all can kiss my ass. I see you, five, and I'll tell you what. I'll raise you ten. Booyah! Whatever, man. I think your dumb metaphor jinxed me. Ain't natural making a brother pretend he's Chinese. I'm out, man. I fold. Well, since yours truly is the good old U.S. of A, it's up to me to draw a line in the sand. I raise ten. All right, Happy, you're up. The king and country, I raise three. I see your three, raise your two. Shoot. Guess this is what you'd call strategic withdrawal, eh, Captain? I fold. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping like flies here. Who will survive? I raise another two. You're trying to push us back to the courtyard! You're pushing back, dammit! Aim for the legs! Aim for the legs! Get your five, Jamie! Get your five! You are a stick, you bastard! The one thing you want is fast! You heard me, Sky-Eye! Our CO is out of commission! The place is desperate! But we need air support medevac at your soonest! Fucking hell! Calling Thompson, Cap 20. Hold tight. Locking grid coordinates now. Help is on the way! Alright, guys! Help is coming! Now! Happy, happy, happy. Uh, king's a damn puff anyway. Fold. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Captain. If that pile of chips is your line in the sand, what's it mean when I do this? I see your two and raise ten. Oh. <laughs> what it means is things just got interesting. <laughs> just like the real Jade Army, you're feeling pretty confident right about now. Stakes are high, three factions have folded, and you're sure you've got the winning combination. Of course, if that were true, why would I, the good old US of A, raise you five? <laughs> oh, Captain's throwing down the gauntlet now. You are Ooh. so full of shit, Piso. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? The Emperor's army outnumbers us almost three to one, yet the jury's still out on whether he can hold the mainland or not. Why should this game of cards be any different, eh? It's not the same. Bull, it's exactly the same. Now step up to the plate and play like you mean it, smart guy. So what's it gonna be, good buddy? Care to match my five? It's all getting a bit dodgy, eh? Fine. You wanna flush your money? That's your malfunction. I see your five. Raise five. I'll tell you this, Space Case. You gotta start thinking beyond what you think you know. We're in the middle of a war. A real struggle for the soul of our culture. It's gonna be the learners who will inherit the Earth after all this. Not the learned. What the hell's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it means prepare to be schooled, my young Padwan. Boom! I raise you 15. Whoa. <laughs> what do you think of that? Oh, screw you, Piso. What the hell do you have in your hand? You fold? What? You heard me, do you fold? Sure, whatever, you got me. <laughs> Read him and weep. Oh, Son of a! <laughs> that's what you had in your hand! Oh, oh, fucking typical. <laughs> Ain't about who's got the best card, Space Case. It's all about. Scramble signal, let's move, Alex, we're on the clock. Roger that. Power control. This is Flight Lieutenant Garland at the hook confirming that an Alert 5 scramble order has just been issued.
At all times, four birds are kept on alert status. Four F-35X Hellcats fueled and armed, ready to dive into the fight. Two of these are kept at alert status five and can be airborne within five minutes of the Klaxon's first howl. Corner charge, move, move. Crewman Brian, you're on ladder duty. Secure the lieutenant into his bird. The lieutenant, let me. I got it, I got it. I'm in. In 90 seconds, pilots are strapped in. Nav data is downloaded. Diagnostic green, navigation synced. Ramp crews complete pre-flight checks. Cool the them. Check. Environmental controls. Check. If everything's in the green. Being fucking tested. We're good to go, boys. Pull the pins and kiss them goodbye. Safeties are pulled. Ejection seat is armed. Good hunting, sir. Roger that. Canopy is down. Let's clear out. We're done here. Crew and blast. Crew and Brian, clear the way. Two minutes spent. 180 seconds remaining. A final systems check is verified with the tower. Echo flight. Let's have a final system check. Over. Copy that tower. Initiation final check. Maps downloaded. Nav calibrated. Master arm switch safe. Engine control circuits in the green. Canopy down and locked. Roger that, Echo 2. Fire up. Engaging starter. Engine starter engaged. At 14% RPMs, generators come online. Instruments power up. Climate controls kick in. Life support system optimal. I get that familiar throbbing in my ear that tells me the cockpit has been pressurized. At 18%, the engine winds into a solid idle. Fuel is fed into the turbofan. Shivers rattle the airframe's titanium spine. At 25, the fuel ignites. Ice-cold hydrogen becomes white-hot noise. Ignition. Less than 60 seconds left on the clock. Echo 1 here. I'm taxiing onto the runway. This is Echo 2 taxiing onto runway. I suck hard on crisp oxygen and tighten my grip on the throttle. Any second now. Any second. Tower, this is Echo Flight. Request permission to launch. Roger that, Echo Flight. You're clear to launch. Vector 320, gate climb, Angels 40. VMAX, over. Copy that, Tower. Echo Flight is out of here. Every pilot knows the moment he leaves Earth, speed is everything. You gotta keep moving or else you're dead weight. Stop for just a second and your gravity's slave. It's a lot like life, a lot like this war. You gotta keep moving. Never look back, because the moment you stop, you're dead. Alright, take off your safety belt. We can relax. That was Titanium Rain Act 1. Uh, to hear the rest of that show, check out audiocomicscompany.com. Click on uh, Titanium Rain. number of ways to get that show. Uh, as little as 8 bucks to hear the whole show. Well worth it. Um, you can also get the slightly more expensive compact disc version if you want to add it to your archives permanently. Uh, we got one more for you today. This is another uh, from the Audio Comics Company collection. This is Honey West, Murder on Mars. Um, here you hear a bit of their versatility. This is a uh, mystery comedy thing, science fiction mystery comedy, you know, noir detective uh, with a sexy twist. Uh, it's really hilarious by Elaine Lee uh, investigating Honey West, this uh, lewd detective, uh, sassy girl investigating a murder on a movie set set in Mars. Uh, we'll hear again the first act of this. This is also available at audiocomicscompany.com. May 17th, 1962. A sunny morning in L.A., like every morning in L.A. I usually try to sleep through sunny mornings, but for some reason I rolled out of bed and decided to head for the office bright and early. Not that there's work waiting. Pickings have been mighty slim of late. Good morning, Charlie. Morning, springtime. Any calls? No calls, but this package came, special delivery, addressed to Miss West. Huh, I can't say I'm a gal who loves surprises. 
Wow. Even when they involve a box of bucks and a plain brown wrapper. Especially then. Did I forget my birthday? Quite the box of lettuce. And green's my favorite color. Did it come with a card? Mmm. No card. Just a note hiring me to look into a suspicious death. Unsigned. Who's the corpse? Zuzu Varga. No. As in Jungle Priestess, Venus Rising, Hive of the Bee Queen? That Zuzu Varga? Hungarian bombshell, star of a dozen genre films. Is there another one? I can't tell you how many times I've seen Zuzu Varga draped across palm fronds or wearing tinfoil undies with a ray gun in her hand. Well, now she's playing dead. Can I see the note? They say it is an accident. I do not believe this. Local law enforcement is hopeless. Oh, I remember just reading about this. According to the papers, local means Kern County. Miss Varga was on a location shoot for a low-budget sci-fi flick up in the high desert above L.A. Interesting. Interesting case. But I'm not sure I want to work for an anonymous employer. As I see it, you got no choice. I spend half my day fending off your bill collectors and the other half trying to collect my bucks from guys who make bad bets. Still using my office as a front then, Charlie? Oh, quit making book when your checks stop bouncing. So take the job. <laughs> and anyways, who are you going to return the money to? Hmm. Charlie had a point, but I still didn't like it. Neither did Lieutenant Mark Storm of the LAPD. You've got no idea what you're walking into up there. And that should stop me? A gal's gotta eat. So take a typing course, or marry one of the idiots dogging your steps. You asking, Lieutenant? Yeah, what kind of chump would that make me? The useful kind. Yeah, you use me plenty as things stand. And I can't drop everything and head up to Kern County in case you get yourself in trouble. I'm not asking you to. I'm just asking for a teensy phone call. Uh-uh, you're asking me to be an accessory to an act of stupidity. Tell you what, Mark. Skip the lecture, make the call, and I promise to make it up to you. Make it, uh, up to me? Have we got a deal? <sighs> All right. So, Mark called in a favor and got me the official story. Girl found nude in the dressing room. Small puncture wounds on the body, which we believe are bites from some sort of insect. Mm -hmm. Swelling and discoloration around the bite. All right, thanks, Jimmy. I owe you one. It appears Miss Varga was allergic. Oh, very. But my mystery client doesn't think so, and he or she is willing to pay. So, you're still determined to get involved in this. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, I shudder to think. 9 p.m., I'm tossing my suitcase into the Cobra. Bruce and I head northbound on Route 5 toward exit 205 and the rundown lodge where the stalled film is about to resume shooting. The note from my mystery client says to show up tomorrow, 7 a.m., on the set of Amazons of Mars. We're gonna be in a movie, Bruce. Tonight, we'll find a cheap motel that's good with pets in the rooms, or at least with a manager I can bribe. In the morning, I'll sign on as an alien extra. But that, as they say, is a clever ruse. I'll really be investigating murder on Mars. The Audio Comics Company, in association with Moonstone Entertainment, presents Honey West in Murder on Mars, featuring characters created by G.G. Fickling, written by Elaine Lee, adapted for audio by Elaine Lee, directed by William DeFries. Kern County. Red dirt, red rock, a few stunted trees. You could almost buy this place as Mars. My career as a Martian Amazon is off to a promising start. I sign in, give my social, and get sent straight to the costume shop. In order to save money, the production bought cut-rate costumes and props from last year's space opera, Planet Fear. Our costume mistress, Beatrice Cooper, pins me into a cocktail napkin that's passing for Martian dress this season, 
while I pump her for information. Mm -hmm. Hold still now. Ouch! I said hold still. <sighs> I was so upset to hear about Miss Varga. Did you know her well? Well, I'm not sure anyone knew her. She kept to herself. Could you hold your arms up? Okay. Uh, but uh, Zuzu was uh, always very professional. Well, most of the time, anyway. What do you mean? Well, she didn't get on with the ingenue, Deborah Day. Hmm. Is there anyone on the set I should, you know, hmm? stay away from? Well, no, I, I don't like to talk out of school, but, um... Miss Day's no day at the beach. Mm. I'd stay away from her. And you shouldn't bother Mr. Bannon. Hmm? All the girls bother him. Mm. He doesn't like it. Honey, we need your set. Coming! It was time to catch a killer, if there was one. Okay, well, thanks, B. No worries. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. At the bottom of every stereotype lies a kernel of truth, and they're all here, the usual cast of characters, arranged against an outcrop of red desert rock. People! People! <clears throat> Before we start shooting, Mr. Rice would like to say a few words. The money bags producer, whose wallet's feeling a tad light, Max Rice lost money on his last three films. <clears throat> I don't uh, have to say how sad we all are about Zuzu's uh, <clears throat> accident, if it was accident. The man of few words is Istvan Vak, a cinematographer from behind the Iron Curtain. He doesn't look happy, but does he ever? But, as the old adage tells us, the show must go on. Luckily, there were only a few of Zuzu's scenes left to shoot, and we've been shooting in order. Our director, Mr. Stone, will explain how we'll proceed from here on out. Okay. Roger Stone, the director who fell from grace. One flop knocked him off the Hollywood who's who and dropped him into the land of schlock. We're going to insert a new scene in which the Queen of Mars will don an atomic mask that will alter her appearance so that she looks exactly like her handmaiden, played by... Monique Martin. <laughs> that would be Monique, the bit player who gets her lucky break when another actress gets broke. Oh, Roger, a question. From Lance Bannon, the self-interested leading man. So the love scene between the Queen and Captain Jake Harden stays in? Yes. But now I'm playing it with Monique. That's correct. Ah. Good. Wait just a con pick a minute. Cue the sweet little ingenue who isn't so sweet. Why does this nobody <gasps> get to play the queen when I've got two records in the top 40? Calm down, sweetheart. Enter Ricky Valentine, teen heartthrob to the rescue. You're featured in the big dance number, and you've already got more time on screen than Zuzu. But with lousy billing and half the pay. <laughs> but Deb, you're... Alive, sweetie. Don't patronize me, Ricky. Everybody knows how Monique got this job. Hey, what are you insinuating? Oh, I don't know that you're screwing Max. Oh! Hmm. Monique and the producer? Ricky and Deborah Day? Listen, shrimp. I got the job because you can fit into a grown woman's costume. <gasps> a film set's a hotbed of... Everybody calm down. Well, let's just say it's a hotbed. Look, I get it, sweetie. You're almost 30 and you can't get a break. If I was 30, I'd probably shoe myself. Catfight. Istvan, can you end this? There's no problem, Mr. Stone. No! It is needed you act now. People! People! We have a movie to shoot. People, oh. actors, take your places. Monique. Who? Honey, just wanted to say, don't worry about Deborah. Everyone knows that Tadpole's a capital B witch. Oh, thanks, honey. I can tell that we're going to be great pals. Did I hear you say your name is Honey? Yes, I... Mr. Bannon! Oh, Mr. Bannon! Oh, you forgot your space helmet, Mr. Bannon. Why, thank you. Um, Beatrice, is it? 
rescue from it, but... Well, of course, I just, uh, you, you can let go now of the helmet, um, Beatrice. Oh, 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 of course, Mr. Bannon. Uh, I loved you in Eye of the Storm, uh, Mr. Bannon. It's like our costume mistress has a thing for Lance. You're very kind, Beatrice. Oh, not at all, Mr. Bannon. And call me B. Beatrice! Get off the set! Oh! Lance Bannon looks away from his adoring fan and winks at me. To him, B's a joke. Lance blows a kiss at me, and I pretend to catch it. Ooh. (laughs) I think Lance likes you, honey. Oh, you think so, huh? Amazons, stand over there, behind Deborah, by the cave entrance. Stupid actors. Quiet on set! Uh, uh, can I get a sound level on Deborah's mic? Say something, Deborah. Screw all of y'all! Is that enough, Mr. Stone? Or do you want more? I've had about all I can take. Uh, all set, Mr. Stone. Ricky, we're taking it from your lines just after Deborah's entrance. Gotcha, Mr. Stone. And action! Gee whiz, Cap! Mars is the coolest! (laughs) Check out the gams on these crazy natives! Don't fool yourself, Lieutenant. They may look like Earth girls, but they're killers down to their tiny pink toes. Then sign me up for a funeral. So, which one of you kooky chrome-plated chicks would dig taking a spin on rocket love? Love? What is love? Love, a powerful emotion that can sometimes lead to death. Night. The film's production offices, dressing rooms, costumes, and props are housed in an old campground lodge nestled amongst a few stunted pinion pines on the desert property that serves as our Martian landscape. I slip into something black, grab my flashlight and my twenty-two, and make my way there, parking myself beneath our director's office window. Stone seems to be having a powwow with Howard Deutschman, Zuzu's agent, past tense. You want what? You never paid Zuzu for her last two weeks. I'll take my percentage and the rest goes to her estate. Are you kidding me, Howard? Zuzu and her tantrums were killing this film. I'm so far over budget, I can't buy a roll of gaffer's tape. According to the Hollywood Tattler, this film's a make-it-or-break-it for Stone. If she was causing him trouble, perhaps he'd directed Zuzu's last scene. I sneak inside the lodge and hide in the shadows near the office door, hoping to learn more. If you think I'm throwing cash I don't have at Zuzu's grave, you are very much mistaken. Are you really blaming your problems on Zuzu? Because if you are, we might have to settle this outside. What, are you gonna fight me, Howard? You're the size of a 12-year-old. I'm a big enough man to take you down. Relax, Howard. Look, I know you are screwing her, but that's not Screwing her! I loved Zuzu. I loved her. Screw you, Stone! Deutschman and Zuzu. Was it really love, or did he just want his percentage? I'll expect a check the first of next week! Maybe it was both. Yeah? Well, don't hold your breath! Neither Stone nor Deutschman see me pressed against the wall beside the door. They'd been too focused on their fight with each other. But wanting to take no more chances, I slip into the next door down. The door with a gold paper star taped to it. Actors are a superstitious lot. Both Monique and Deborah wanted Zuzu's role. Neither wanted her dressing room. I enter, and a heady scent, iris and incense, hits my nose. Zuzu's costume, a slinky red sequined number, still lay where she'd last tossed it. Maybe she'd left other things lying around. Zuzu's makeup table, cluttered with the usual assortment of cosmetics, brushes, wigs, and personal items. Among them, a bottle of Zanzibar perfume. That must be the scent I smell. I lift an enamel box from the table, open it, and shine the beam of my flashlight inside. The box contains a snapshot. Zuzu as a teenage kid. Somewhere back in Hungary would be my guess. A tall young man, who looks slightly familiar, stands with his arm around Zuzu. Beneath the picture is a cheap gold ring with a blue glass stone. In the wastebasket by the table, a copy of The National Intruder. Next to an article on Bigfoot, a photo of Zuzu and Lance, 
out on the town and looking very chummy. A headline reads, Miss Behaving. Is the queen of the B-movies sharing a shower with soap star Lance? According to this tabloid, Zuzu'd had something going with our Mr. Bannon. Had her agent boyfriend been upset about this story? Upset enough to kill? What? Who's there? Who's in there? Who's here? Zuzu? He's all right, Mr. Storm. He's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh, yes, yes, uh, I'm fine. Interesting. The director believes in ghosts. This ghost, at least. Could his belief spring from a guilty conscience? Oh, I allow myself to breathe again and remember my pal Fred Sims. He may know who dished the dirt on Lance and Zuzu for that tabloid piece. I take the tabloid and pat the pearl-handled 22 I'd tucked into the waistband of my slacks. Time to look for a payphone. Remember when you were a kid and the toys in your room would turn into monsters at night? That's what happens in a prop room after the lights go out. Masks of monsters and aliens sit in rows on shelves like so many severed heads. Next to them, death rays, blasters, and spears. A robot sentinel with hooks for hands stands on duty nearby. If this were a scene in a movie, I would be a goner. As though animated by my thought, the robot comes alive. Swings a metal arm at me. Knocks the pistol out of my hand. It swings again, but I duck, escaping the blow. The scene I've stumbled into is reaching its climax. This isn't a movie, and the thing that's trying to kill me, it isn't a robot. But the cameras are rolling, and there's no one to yell, cut! Fade to black. I swim back to consciousness with a terrible headache and a lump like a golf ball on my head. Vok, Stone, and B bend over me, looking concerned and more than a little blurry. Oh. oh. She is waking, Mr. Stone. Oh. Are you all right? What is she doing here? So much for going unnoticed. Could the person who'd attacked me be one of these three? Uh, I, uh... The robot must have fallen on me. The tabloid was gone. So was my gun. Here, let me help you. Now, what were you doing sneaking around here in the night? Oh, Mr. Stone, I'm such a fan, was a fan, of Zuzu. I just wanted to see her dressing room. Well, you should have asked. Beatrice Cooper was holding the sequined costume I had seen in Zuzu's room. Stupid woman. We need to put ice on that forehead right now, or no amount of makeup will cover it up tomorrow. Yes, thank you, Bee. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Stone. As I follow the costume mistress into the lodge kitchen... Help me get this robot, Vok. Mm. I remember her making doe eyes at the leading man. Had Beatrice seen the tabloid story? If so, when had she seen it? You sit there, and I'll get the ice. B had left Zuzu's costume on the counter beside me. On a hunch, I decide to check and see if the gown had been sewn to fit, or if it had been pinned, like mine. Pins. Lots of them. I gently remove a few and slide them into the hem of my sweater, careful not to stick myself. Oh, you know, you really should be more careful. Ow! Ow! Now that's the God's own truth. Sweet dump. That would be the Pinion Pines Motel, a seedy roadside motor inn with several busted letters in its neon sign. 
But the Pines was the only game in town, so the shoot had taken it over to house the cast and crew. After my little dance with the robot, I'd swung into a truck stop for two raw steaks, one for the Shiner, the other for Bruce, then headed back to my room. The producer and his paramour were negotiating in the car park. She said I would never play the queen, Max. She said that her agent would stop me. It doesn't matter what she says, Monique. She's an ingenue, not a lead. Cute little pop stars are a dime a dozen. But she said that her agent... Her agent is a nobody. Now, come on, be sweet. Oh, not now, Max. <sighs> Monique was winning. I can't tonight, Max. My head hurts. And I have to rinse my hair black so it matches Zuzu's. You understand, don't you? But I thought... Oh, just a little while. I left the two of them bartering in the car park. A girl needs her beauty sleep, and I still had to call Fred. It was late, but that didn't matter. Fred would be working. I headed for a phone booth, not far from the motel office. Fred's a genuine war hero, wounded at the Battle of Bastogne. He's also a hell of a reporter. Press telegram, Sim speaking. Fred, it's honey. Hey, what's shaking, gorgeous? Up to your pretty neck in trouble again? I'm sporting a few bruises, but you should see the robot. Robot? You calling from Mars? Something like that. Listen, you know the guy who writes the celebrity scandal column for the intruder? Yeah, I know the guy. He's a stringer for my paper. Under the byline, Griffin Finn. Moonlights for the tabloid as Finley Jones. Find out how he got the scoop on Zuzu Varga and Lance Bannon, will ya? Who gave him the tip? Who's the songbird? Ricky Valentine. The beach bash kid? That's the one. Zuzu Varga? Lance Bannon? Ricky Valentine? What is this? The case of the has-been hack actors? Has-been wannabe never were. Then there's the one who turned up dead. Yeah, the Varga death crossed my desk. I thought it was an accident. That's debatable. And you just joined the debate team. For the opposition? Let me know what you find out from Finn. Oh, and Fred, see what else you can dig up on Zuzu, ancient history department. Will do. Is there a story here? If this thing turns into a story, I promise you'll get the exclusive. Where are you staying? Pinion Pines Motel, room 14, Fraser Park. Got it. Don't stick your pretty neck out too far. Don't you worry, Fred. Before I leave the booth, I take an envelope from my bag, scrawl Mark Storm's address across it, tape the pins I'd taken to the note card inside, and consider trying to find a stamp at midnight in northwest Nowheresville. But the lump on my head is begging for a drink. The letter can wait till tomorrow. Stay there! There's a naked man in my room or half-naked, some might say half a man, little Ricky Valentine, back against a wall, a chair in his hands, lion-tamer style, was holding an angry Bruce at bay. Oh, 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 whoa! Hey, hey, call off the kitty cat, would ya? First tell me how you got into my room. I must have the wrong key. Bruce thinks you're lying. On the other hand, maybe this is kismet. That or liquor. That too. Dinner time, Bruce. You can put the chair down now. Oh, thanks. Chairs aren't really my thing. I'm more of a... bed man. So I've read in gossip columns. You don't want to see for yourself? Aren't you a little young for me? Hey, I'm 35. Let me rephrase. Aren't you a little small for me? Even as I razz the guy, I have to admit... I'm drawn to him. You know what they say about small packages. I assume you brought your climbing equipment. Think of me as a boy scout. Always prepared to climb a curvy blonde. <laughs> you could say one thing for the guy. He was confident. Let me help you out of that sweater. Oh, what the hell. Maybe I'll learn something. In more ways than one. <laughs> Oh, Ricky. Zuzu. Zuzu? I briefly consider correcting his mistake. Oh. Then realize I don't care. 
I stretch my arms above my head, pretending I'm the star of Jungle Priestess, lying on palm fronds, the sound of native drums beating in my ears. Yes! Oh, 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 you give me fever, baby! Oh, yes! I'm pretty sure that isn't me. The sudden heat isn't the heat of the jungle, and it's not the heat of love. Bruce doesn't like fire, neither do I. Wait! Where are you going? That sounds like Deborah! She's just practicing her line! With smoke signals? All right, and that was Honey West, Murder of Mars. Hear the rest of that at audiocomicscompany.com. Again, click on Honey West, uh, surf around. They've got even more productions up there. They've got horoscopes, horror series, Starstruck, uh, another science fiction comedy romp, and, of course, what you just heard today, both Titanium Rain and Honey West, Murder of Mars. Great stuff there, Lance, Elaine, Bill, uh, just doing, bringing some great properties to audio drama. They've got some exciting things in the work. Not all of it is public yet, but they've got fantastic shows that I think you'll enjoy the audio comics company doing some great stuff uh yeah so this month again our sort of theme is spring uh spring is sprung and new audio drama is out there with the crocuses and green stuff um kind of thinking about new life here uh off frozen in the snow so that's what we got for you uh, and of course in the meantime uh, dig through our archives over 250 hours of material at radiodramarevival.com you can follow us on twitter hit up re- at radiodrama or facebook page radiodrama revival you can find us on stitcher and on itunes search for radiodrama revival if you'd be so kind go ahead leave a review tell your friends uh pitch some cold hard cash our way whatever is your flavor of spreading love this is definitely a volunteer run service for you for the love of the audio drama, for the love of the renaissance of audio drama, thank you so much for listening. That is a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge, copyright of individual shows. Remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM. That is Southern Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com as labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Mm-hmm.